Hello and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast Season 2, Episode 5. We are back and like a Zlatan Ibrahimovic half volley from 35 yards out, we are ready to go and bang into the new season in Sweden. The season in Norway has also returned uh, from the break, so we have a bumper show today. Both team, uh, both leagues will be reviewed uh, by myself, Jonathan Verdugba, and my esteemed co-host, Steve Wiss. Steve, talk to me. Now then, now then, now then. Um, how are you doing, Jonathan? Um, first round of Sweden. I'm sure you uh, enjoyed all the matches. I uh, caught one of the Swedish games this week myself, the Norshipping match, along with uh, a bumper round of uh, goals in Norway. So we've got loads to talk about on this episode, haven't we? Yes, and you must be uh, itching to get back into the into the Norwegian um, football league. We've had a few week break and obviously a bumper interview, so we'll get onto that. The the format for this show uh, today, we're going to start with Sweden day one in the Osvenskan uh, 2018. We're going to begin with that. We're going to review everything, and then we're going to move on to Norway and the Elite Serien, which has returned now uh, for the latest round. Um, and we're going to intersperse that with a, a bit more general chit chat on our different other talking points so stay tuned we've got a good show coming for you and we're going to get straight into it steve we're going to start with the all scan 2018 which kicked off this weekend aren't we yeah we're going to start with that first round uh, in sweden and uh well you're the man up there so where do you want to start what do you think the champions malmo is that the uh the the match they beat elfsborg 2-1 all the goals scored inside the first 25 minutes and uh, well, within a couple of minutes, one of your men to watch for 2018, Svanberg, scored an absolute scorcher, didn't he? Absolute pearler, this one. Yes, yeah, so I, I can't deny I was pretty happy uh, with the um, that one that came off. Matthias Svanberg, it, it's no secret. I'm, I'm not really being a clairvoyant on that one. Many people have tipped him to be a, a hot player for this season to watch, and he proved why, really. Uh, a few minutes on the clock, and uh, yeah, real beauty if you haven't seen it. Get it on YouTube, uh, Malmo. The midfielder, nineteen-year-old, with a lovely left foot, sort of half volley, smash bang into the top, into the corner, and um, it set Malmo on their way to a two-one victory. Elfsborg, uh, a difficult opponent, so you know it was a tough place to go, really. Um, but I think if one thing we've already seen this season from both the Swedish, the Swedish Cup games and also this game today, Malmo there to be taken seriously. Uh, well, yeah. Always have to be taken seriously, don't they? I mean, they know how to win matches and. Uh, you know, the Elsborg actually equalised, but Malmo immediately went ahead. One of their new signings, I do believe. Yeah, that's right. Um, Arne Trausterson is the man who came up with the winner. And yeah, he's a, he looks like an interesting signing, actually. Um, he's an experienced player. He's, he's won the league with North Shopping in 2015. He's played in Greece, Austria. He's also played in the Elite Serien, so I don't know if you're aware of him, to be honest. But um, yeah, Icelandic international the goal was fairly simple, routine kind of tap in, but he he was lively actually, and he, he played on 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 the wide. He played out wide, and yeah, it was a very good debut, really a debut to remember. What did you think of the Malmo lineup then for this game, uh, John? Um, tactically, what sort of things were they doing on the field? Yeah, well, uh, Trousson was an important player in there. They obviously have forward Bacheru as well, who's been signed from uh, from Ostersunds in central midfield with Svanberg. Uh, Soren Rietz also played on the out wide. He's um he's come from IFK Jotterburg, so there was it was a fairly fresh new lineup really for Malmo. Uh, Berang Safari kept his place on the left. 
But uh, Eric Larson played on as a right back. He's obviously come from from Gisfundsvall, and he looked quite good. Um, with Marcus Rosenborg, obviously experienced player, and, and Jeremy F up front. What I liked about Malmo, to be honest, you know what they seem to be doing. They've really laid a marker down. I have to say, including the Swedish Cup games, they look like they can adapt to any tactical situation. So, what I liked about them is that they they managed to sort of find a way to to, to beat Elfsborg. Uh, speaking after the match, the manager kind of to- talked about how yeah players out wide and they pushed players out wide to kind of get around Elfsborg's midfield. Um, and they've shown very a lot of fluidity in the way they've approached different games. Every single game they've approached it differently. We remember how last season, obviously, Magnus Wolf was a talking point and, you know, the rotation of Magnus Persson's squad. It looks like it's going to happen again, to be honest. Every game, they have a different tactical plan and it worked again here. And yeah, so it's, it's exciting times for them. Jimmy Tellin, the uh, Elfsborg manager, said that they struggled with the pressing side of their game and they need to work on their pressing. But uh, yeah, Malmo just too strong. Yeah, same old, same old with uh, Malmo. Let's move on to the, uh, the first Sunday game and uh, Hammerby got off to a winning start, beat uh, Series 3-1. And the first hat-trick of the season in Sweden uh, from uh, Gilloan Hamad. Uh, a couple of penalties in there. But uh, I do believe Hammerby were quite impressive in this fixture, John. Yeah, so I guess it's a question for our listeners, really. Do, do, uh, do hat-tricks really count if it's two penalties? I'm always a bit... I'm always a little bit harsh on my... Hat-trick, penalty hat-tricks, but uh, hat-tricks are hat-trick, I guess. And yeah, yeah as you say, Yilowen Hamad, a 27-year-old, and he's got his, his hat-trick. Two of them were, like I say, penalties. One was a decent finish, but I was impressed with Hammerby, to be honest. Their fans, they brought the fans towards uh, for the game. Very well-supported club, as we've previously talked about. And yeah, they look good. What is, just before we move on, I mean, what is your personal opinion on penalties? If you're given a second penalty... Should the same man take that kick? If you were the manager, would you say, no, I'm having someone differently on? Or would you just go with the guy, the same original guy? I'd always go with the guy if he scored it, yeah. If, if, if he's missed it, I would probably ask someone else to take it potentially. But I think you've always got to judge it as a case-by-case thing. I, I think penalties are a lot about confidence rather than necessarily technique. Um, some players who are just excellent at taking them, whereas some players with great technique hate penalties. So I think it's often a confidence thing. What do you think? If it's me, I think I would actually change the taker the second time, unless you've got someone like a Harry Kane or an Alan Shearer who you're not going to get the ball off them. I would rotate it around a bit. I don't like the idea. If someone scored, the goalkeeper's already faced a penalty from that guy in the match. And I would always get a bit wary myself. That's just me, maybe. I don't know. But it depends how many good penalty takers you've got, I suppose, doesn't it? If you've got two or three good ones... You, you've got that luxury, but if you've only got one sort of good main one, then I suppose you've got to stick with him. But it's interesting that those penalties are only about a few minutes apart in the game. All right, half-time did split it, but it was like a penalty two minutes before half-time and a penalty about three or four minutes after. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Hamad buried them both, so um, in a way it's kind of irrelevant. And then he got his hat-trick. Sirius were quite poor, actually, I thought. Um, I was a bit surprised in how they played, but Hamadby looked good and some of their new signings look quite interesting as well. I think... Um, kind of criticised Neto Borgs on the last podcast in terms of how they had scouted him, but he actually looked quite good as a, at the left, uh, in the left-back position. So, yeah, I thought Hammerby they had a good shape to their team. The new signings fitted in quite well. Fairly comfortable. Obviously, was it a penalty or not? And um, we've had chats, haven't we, privately about VAR and that kind of thing. That was another sort of talking point, wasn't it? But uh, I thought it was a bit of a harsh penalty, really. But um, Hammerby did enough to get the win. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if VAR would have sorted that one out, to be honest. It was one of those which it depends which way you look at it, doesn't it? I mean, I think it was a bit harsh as well, but Sirius only actually had two goal attempts in that game. They scored one of them. It was an absolute belter. But um, worrying times, perhaps, for Sirius going forward, although not an easy place to go. Uh, let's move on to another team that you, you thought would struggle this year, and that's Trelleborg. They got beaten by IFK in the opener 3-1 as well. And, I mean, what did you make of this fixture, John? I mean, IFK were favourites for the game, but there was some talk about it being a little bit of a banana skin, but they put those fears to bed, didn't they? They did indeed, and I have to say, I'm a little bit excited about this EF Core team. Um, already, they just look much better, much fresher, much more enthusiastic, enterprising. There's a lot to like about this new EF, EF Core, I have to be honest, and um, far more than the sort of stale version of last season. They raced into the lead, obviously 20 minutes gone, Elias Amarsson got his first goal. Uh, he got two in the game, which means that he's now scored two more in, I think, 49 minutes than he did in the entirety of last season in the league. A great start for him. And, yeah. Well, the first was an absolute gift from the goalkeeper, wasn't it? Shambolic keeping there. I mean, just a, no a regulation pass straight to him. I mean, you've got to finish it. But uh, talk about gifted on a plate. Uh, I thought the third goal from uh, IFK was a... Really good one, uh, Sakor, um, who I've always rated, actually, must say myself, from his time in uh, in Norway. But fresh new team for IFK this year. Wow. What was different about them uh, compared to the previous season? Well, for a start, they have a new manager. Um, so, yeah, young young manager, the youngest manager in the league, Poi Asbagi, and I really like his ideas, actually. I read an inter interesting interview with him recently, and, um, yeah, what he's trying to implement, I think, Promises exciting times for EFCOR fans. I think they've got their recruitment much better than, than last year. I think they've started to sort out some of the dead wood. They've shipped it out and they've kind of brought in some enterprising signings. I think Omarsson, as I mentioned on the last podcast, I, I believe he's going to have a good season. I said it on Twitter. I think he's he's in line for a good season and he proved me right in the sort of first this first game, the two goals. Uh, they've got Amina Fain, who's come from ARK. I like, um, I like the performance of Mixed Discord, actually. I thought he played well. Um, they're playing in a sort of a 3-4-3 now. They're kind of flooding the midfield with a sort of diamond um, and then obviously playing the three up front off them. And it just works really well. It looks really good. I think Trelleborg, to be honest, they their passing out from the back was, was shocking. They gave the ball away so many times, sort of playing out the ball from the back. And EFC just kind of capitalised on that and then often on the counter-attack broke. In fact, Marson should have had a hat-trick. He missed a sitter in the final minute to make it 4-1. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this team and I think they did well. Trelleborg held their own, but in the end, they weren't, weren't good enough. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, that, sounds like they were good there, IFK. But, I mean, Trelleborg, is it going to be the long, hard season that you expected? I mean, did they look like an Auschwitzkin side to you out there? Well, they got the equaliser. Um, it was quite unexpected at the time, but it came through uh, Jovanovic, who... He's a veteran in that team. He played in their 2009 Norse Gang campaign. He's been there for a very long time and he's a, he's a, he's a good player. Um, it was a good goal. There was moments where they looked like they may challenge, but to be honest, I always felt EF Core were going to win. They, they looked much more dynamic, much more enterprising. Like I said, Trelleborg really struggled to keep possession from the back. I think they're going to struggle in, in the way they build play. Maybe they should just be going for a long ball and kind of looking for a bit more of a, a rugged, uh, a bit less... Uh, entertaining maybe style but playing through the lines doesn't look like it's going to work for them at the moment unless they get on the training ground mm. uh, but I think this is a good EF core team so I think there'll be easier games for, for Trelleborg 
to judge them on. But uh, yeah, EF Core just had too much for them in this one. Yeah, it wasn't a particularly good weekend for the newly promoted teams. Um, Dal Kurd lost, Brumapoikana lost. Let's talk about Dal Kurd against AIK. It was a 2 0 defeat for them. I mean, was it a case of Dal Kurd or Dal Turd, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Ground that one in, haven't you? That is that is shocking. <laughs> I'll get my coat, don't worry. Yeah, three out of ten. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, I mean, I had this, I had an, an eye on this game, and it wasn't particularly captivating, John. Typical AIK, really. They just never seemed that exciting, but they got the job done, didn't they? They did, yeah. And the goal, the first goal came from a shocking goalkeeping mistake, to be honest. Um, I think the keeper should have had it. It looked like a stunner, but then when you watch the replay, the goalkeeper's halfway across his line. So I think that was um, disappointing from Dalkurt's perspective. They obviously brought the fans. It's their first ever game in the Allsvenskan. scan. They had a lot of travelling fans from Uppsala. Um, and just generally in, in the whole of Sweden, really, they, they're obviously the Kurdish uh, team. Uh, many Kurd, you know, Kurdish sort of immigrants to Sweden from all over the country went to watch them. Um, so, yeah, it was a massive day for their fans. There were a few crowd disturbances that stopped the game for a little bit. I think there were some explosions in the, in the crowd, sort of, um, you know, TIFO type things, flares which stopped the play for a little bit. But, yeah, it was a fairly routine game. I didn't think the game was that enterprising, to be honest. I thought it was, I'll be honest, I thought it was fairly boring, but nothing's, you know, that it was like eating a it was like eating a chocolate cake compared to the Gif Sundsvall game, which we'll come on to later. <laughs> um, that was the definition of boring. But, uh, yeah, it was a routine win for AIK. I think we know that they're going to have b- bigger challenges to come. Um, it was a test for Dalkurd, but if I was being positive about Dalkurd, I'd say they, they actually look, fairly decent in the way they built the play and I think they look like they will score goals as the season progresses and they didn't really concede that many big opportunities did they either in the game I mean by and large they kept it relatively tight yeah you're right and there's a player I, I think will do quite well this season for them called um, Rowan Amin in the midfield I thought he he looked decent at number five uh, Banu Marzuk up front I think looks good they've got some decent players actually I, I, I think on the evidence of what I saw today I think Dalka look probably one of the better promoted sides compared to Trelleborg and maybe Bromapoikana. But you saw the Bromapoikana game, didn't you, against uh, North Shopping yourself? So maybe you can lift a little light on a bit of, of of that one. Well, it was an absolutely mental game, actually, John. I, I mean, North Shopping apparently had 33 goal attempts in this game. And I can believe it. They were all over them. Um, the amount of big chances Brumapoikana conceded was ridiculous. And I was actually doing my head in at one point in the second half because somehow Brumapoikana equal, equalised against the run of play. At that point, I had a bet on the game myself in running back on the game over three goals. And there was chance after chance missed. And I thought, bloody hell, this is going to be one of these stupid one-alls. Brumapoikana actually missed a massive headed chance to go 2-1 up themselves. But... Uh, Norshavin got a late penalty and they deserved the victory. They should have won by about 4-5-1. I mean, they were so dominant. It's maybe worrying that they didn't convert their chances well enough. But um, I thought Bromer Poikin looked a little bit out of their depth, to be honest, defensively. If they're going to approach games like this, then they're only going to be able to outscore teams around them at the bottom of the table. I mean, Norshaping are going to be sort of mid-table, aren't they? this year, maybe a little bit higher. So it's not like they were facing one of the really elite teams. So I think it was concerning how porous they looked at the back. You know, fair play, Norshipping played well, but for me, Bromer, they've got to 
they've got to tighten up considerably. From what I could tell, they uh, played a new system in Norshoping. Is that correct? I think they've been playing 3-4-3 in pre-season. Did they go with that again in this game? Well, it's one of those games where formations kind of went out the window a little bit, if you know what I mean. Um, especially when one team's so dominant, you've got so many players overlapping. It, it was a very attacking formation. Though. It felt like there was wave after wave of attack. A lot of players were drifting in and out of different positions. Bromer themselves, there was no rigidity to them as well. So it got a bit manic, really. No discipline from either team in that regard. But yeah, Norshman got the job done overall. I was quite impressed with them. Fair, fair play. You know, maybe give them some credit here. But I was just worrying how easy uh, chances were gifted to them. And it could have been a, definitely a lot more goals for Norshipping had they been a bit more clinical in this game. So uh, Let's move on to a bigger game, which we haven't mentioned yet, which was Ostersund's Jurgarden. don't know if you saw this one, Steve, but uh, yeah, this was a big game in Sweden and we haven't really talked about it yet. I was, I was going to hopefully try and see it, but um, it was on Easter Sunday and I was basically opening Easter eggs with my kids, so uh, it didn't get quite around to it. But, uh, I mean, 1-0, Jorgarten have won this game, which is a massive victory for them in the grand scheme of things, isn't it? Considering Ostersunds are so highly regarded this season. Didn't look just statistically like a particularly exciting game, but uh, a massive win nevertheless. What's your opinion of this fixture? Yeah, it was an interesting one. I think, um, as I mentioned on the preview season preview pod, I think which you can still listen to, by the way. Obviously, you can subscribe to our iTunes and you know, please leave a comment, that kind of thing, if you if you enjoy us. But yeah, you can go back and listen to our previous editions. I mentioned on that one that I think your garden are going to be a tip for the title and they're going to be an outsider uh, in that bracket of sort of Malmo, your garden, maybe Ostersunds and AIK. Uh, I think your garden are going to be a bit of an outsider and they proved why in this game. It's worth bearing in mind they've got an incredible defensive record. I don't think they've conceded a goal in their last five games, uh, if you include Swedish Cup. So this was another one where they faced a bit of an onslaught. Ostersunds at times looked like they would equalise. Um, haven't seen the expected goals or anything like that, but yeah, Ostersunds did have a few chances. But you're going again resolute at the back, and everybody's talking about the man from Gisundsvall, Marcus Danielson, a centre-back who did really, really well in this game and obviously popped up with a winner as well, a winning goal. So he is fitted into the team really well. Obviously, they're missing uh, they're missing some of their, you know, Jonas Olsen, obviously, is not playing at the back. So they're missing, actually, the first-choice defenders, really, but they still managed to keep another clean sheet. And I have to say, Jurgarden are looking good. Yeah, two really big wins for them. Obviously, the Swedish Cup semi-final, then this one against Ostersunds. Has their defence really tightened up this year? Massively so, yeah. Um, and I said, like I said on the uh, previous show as well, I said about all the stat. I think it gives balance to their midfield, which um, will make, you know, Kim Kalsha maybe not as much missed. I just think they look they look a lot more sort of resolute. It's not just a defensive effort; it's kind of the midfield as well protects the back four well. <clears throat> Danielson is a good is a good signing. Um, they've you know got Jonathan Augustinson, uh, who's the brother of Ludwig, who I like. I think. They just they just look solid, you know. Like I said, Oskan Malcolm Mitchell's been there for a year now. He's had a chance to implement his own methods, which I think he's doing well and his ideas. And I think that's just added to the sort of defensive solidity. And yeah, they just they just got it right. Like I said, they rode their luck at times, but um, that's a massive win, really. It, it puts Ostersunds on a bit of a down. I think there's been a lot of hype about Ostersunds, uh, and I've bought into that as well myself. I can't deny it, but um, 
they they're back down to earth with a bit of a bump there, and Jurgard and have, have sort of shown that they're not to be messed with this season. Well, that said, one swallow doesn't necessarily make a summer. It doesn't mean uh, Ossersons are uh, not going to challenge at the top either, does it? So uh, early days, but great win for Jurgard, and nevertheless, now uh, two more games. Uh, results that we're going to talk about. Hacken beat Kalmar 1-0, a late penalty there, and then Sundsvall against Urebro 0-0. What have you got to say about those two games? Well, the less said about uh, Gibson's or Urebro is the better, really. Um, the best way to summarise that game is about 60 minutes into it, the camera cut to some away fans who were actually uh, behind the goal, sledding down the snow. They were that bored that it was a snow-covered away end and they were sledding down it, sledging down it. I mean, you can even see the pictures online. It's I've never seen anything like it, to be honest, in a football stadium. Um, I can't blame them because there was only one shot on target in the whole match, which is staggering, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. And to be honest, that, that the camera cutting to the crowd was the most exciting part of the game. I actually enjoyed that more than I did enjoy the match. It was, it was awful. Uh, so let's move on, really. Um, <laughs> Hacken Kalmar. Uh, again, that was I thought that was a bit of a slow-paced game. At times, it was like a bit of a pre-season friendly. Um, it picked up in pace in places. Obviously, Hacken are always very good on the break. You know, they've got a compact stadium and, and a lot of pacey players up front. But um, I didn't think they offered a huge amount. Obviously, got the win. But uh, I think a shout-out goes to the Kalmar goalkeeper as well, who made a lot of good saves. Hag Johansson in goal. But uh, penalty won it with a, a debutant, Ebot Al-Kabir, who buried his penalty on his debut. Okay, so that's round one complete. Who were the three teams that caught your eye the most? Three teams I think that stood out this week and who deserve the biggest shout outs, I would say, are Hammerby. Uh, I would also say Eurogarden, EF Koi, Yotoburg. They're the three teams for me who most impressed. I think Malmo obviously deserve a shout out, but they are the best team in the league by, by some distance. So it's not really an unexpected result. Um, but a bonus point for Malmo, maybe. But Hammerby. Eurogard and EF Core will be interesting to watch. And incidentally, EF Core and Hammerby play each other this weekend in Gothenburg. So big game ahead. Yeah, I, I would add Norshipping to that as well. Although quite who they've beaten, I'm not quite sure yet. It might mean it might be nothing. You know, Bromer might be absolutely terrible. But fair play to Norshipping. Keep an eye on them after that performance. Okay, well we're going to talk about something a little bit different now. And well, it's certainly Swedish related for sure. Uh, and that is like Ani Ibrahimovic. Everyone's talking about him at the moment after his incredible debut for LA Galaxy at the weekend. But um, there's obviously quite a bit of a debate about him at the moment regarding the Swedish World Cup squad, I do believe, John. Yeah, and I read an interesting quote actually uh, earlier today which said that doubt kills, fa- kills more dreams than failure ever will. And um, yeah, a lot of people have been doubting Zlatan and uh, the guy knows how to answer his doubters, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> unbelievable goal! I, w- I was just in awe. I couldn't, I couldn't actually believe it when I saw it. I mean, the the interesting thing I like about Zlatan is he just he just defies kind of like cynicism. There was obviously, I mean, he you know he took out a full page advert in the LA Times saying, "Dear LA, sort of thank you know thank you regards Zlatan." Yeah, no, you're welcome. Sorry, dear dear LA, you're welcome from Zlatan. Sort of saying, you know, you're lucky to have me here type thing. So, you know, the guy the guy is not short of like Hollywood antics, is he? And you know, he's in the right place for that. But um a lot of there was a lot of cynicism, people saying, Well look at this guy, he's old, he's aging, you know, he can't do it anymore. And he just pops up, 
was it LAFC were three 0 up and um, that well, comes on and they I win four two. The doubters, I must admit, I was one of the doubters. He's a great signing for the club itself because Galaxy have always gone after superstars, Galacticos, you know, David Beckham type players. But I have to say, I was very worried whether he was past it. I mean, he's coming off a major knee injury. And at his age, that is bloody hard to recover from usually. And I just wondered whether he was simply going there for one last big paycheck, all the hype. And he'll still get a few goals anyway, even if he's nowhere near as good as he was because it's just the sort of league where loads of goals are scored. But to actually, they were 3-0 down. I watched this game and LAFC were really, really good. Carlos Vela's really good for them, by the way. And it looked game over. I actually, I, in a way, I was thinking, well, what's the point of bringing him on? What can he do when they're 3-0 down? You're almost better off waiting a little bit, you know, for next week. But he comes on, he made a massive impact. Already they've got two or three guys marking him. The, the equalising goal, I couldn't believe it. I mean, he's had some moments over the years, but that was ridiculous. <laughs> you could say, what's the goalkeeper doing for his winner? But it's just as soon as he came on the field, the atmosphere changed. The, it was unbelievable. And uh, I think he's clearly, I mean, he's still got a lot left in him. He could probably play till 40 if he wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like I say, uh, obviously you're a doubter there, so you're admitting it and you're holding your hands up. Um, but... I mean, I don't doubt Zlatan. I think he's an incredible player. He's a, he's a legend. Um, he, he makes football fun. Uh, I like I like everything about him, to be honest. And uh, that's just not being biased. But the goal was just out of this world. Something extraordinary um, coming on. Your team's 3-0 down and you come back and you win 4-3 and you score two 30-yard scream, a half volley, and then a, a sort of last-minute winner to, to win it. It's, it's just fairy tale stuff. Um, I think the guy's a legend. And yeah, he just makes football fun, in my opinion. But yeah, the reason that we're talking about this, obviously, is because he's uh, Swedish and he's the all-time top goalscorer. He's the legend. He's what, nine times, I think, or ten times Swedish player of the year. But there's a big debate about whether he will actually make the uh, World Cup squad. Now, there's been some sort of debates about Jan Andersson, uh, sorry, the, uh, the Swedish national team manager, whether he'll pick him. Um, and yeah, there's a big debate about it, Steve. I don't know if you've heard about that. I have heard about this and... I think the what people don't like about it, the ones who don't want him in the squad, is that he seems to think it's up to him if he's included in the squad or not. Basically, he comes back on his terms. It's one of those situations where, I don't know, It's do you think he should be in the World Cup squad, ultimately, John? I mean, he's obviously good enough. He'd be their best player. So, for me, it's a no-brainer. But morally, you know, who, should he be in there? Well, at the end of the day, I mean, morals... In terms of morals, I think it's subjective. Um, I know what you, I know what you're saying. Obviously, ultimately, Zlatan is, is, is said to the Swedish national team that if I want to be in the squad, I will be in the squad. Um, and I suppose in a in a sort of fairly conservative country like Sweden, uh, you know, people are not known for being brash in that sense. It can rub people up the wrong way. Um, he's a 36 year old. Obviously, you know this is, is going to be his final World Cup or uh, you know final kind of national big team kind of game on the national stage but for me if Zlatan wants to be in the World Cup squad he goes in the World Cup squad he's proved himself this look at the two goals the guy is an impact player and who does we who does Sweden really have that can replace him um, I think it's, an, it's a no-brainer but I think by challenging the manager publicly and obviously he publicly even said you know like the manager needs to worry about his squad and, and not start talking about me um, so he really is kind of calling out the manager in a way and dictating which you know that is an affront to certain managers, isn't it? Can he get over his own ego, um, the Swedish national team manager, and, and kind of pick him? 
but for me, it's a no-brainer. He has to go to the World Cup uh, from a neutral point of view. And I also think just for Sweden, he's he's a winner. Zlatan, everywhere he goes, he wins and he's, he brings a positive mindset and mentality. Um, he's not just a caricature. He's actually a big dressing room part of this, uh, of any squad. So for me, it's a 100% yes. He has to go. I would agree. I would agree. Completely. It's a no-brainer. He should be in the squad. What do the listeners think? Should Zlatan Ibrahimovic be in Sweden's World Cup squad? Tweet us at NordicFootPod. Maybe we'll even set up a poll for this one, John, as well. So, uh, for me, he should be in. You think he should be in. But there's obviously people out there who don't think he should be in. So, let us know why as well. Why shouldn't he be in if you don't think he should? Okay, we're going to have a break now. And coming up after the interval, we're going to be talking about the Norwegian Elite Assyrian, which is three rounds old now. So, uh, we'll see you in a little bit. Welcome back to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast, season two, episode five. It's the third week of the Elite Serien. We're moving to Norway now. Steve has got plenty of analysis for us, and I'm just looking at the results from this past weekend, Steve. And to be honest, I'm looking at quite a few big results. There seems to be seems to be a lot going on in Norway at the moment. Um, I'm seeing four ones, three nils, three nils, four ones. What is going on, Steve? There's been goals galore since the start of the season, which I can't put my finger on it because the first two rounds before the international break were played in really cold conditions and harsh environments. And I did not, ex- I expected quite a few tight, low scoring contests, but for some reason, the matches really opened up. And then on Easter Monday, well, it was just mental.com. There was loads of goals. I mean, a lot of them were gifted by defenders. There was some absolutely shite goalkeeping on show, as always. I mean, it's one of those leagues where you, you, I'm watching shots and you expect the goalkeeper to save. And then the back of the net's bulging. <laughs> it constantly seems the theme this season. There's been some awful goalkeeping on show. And uh, yeah, goals galore. It's good to see, though, that teams are willing to be a bit more positive. And right now, there doesn't really seem to be an out-and-out defensive side in the league, which I'm personally really happy about. Well, I guess the best place to start is with the champions, uh, Rosenborg, and they were held to a one-all draw with Odd, which kind of surprised me, I have to be honest. I would have just assumed they would win that game. And they're actually winless now, aren't they, uh, mm. all, so far all season? What is going on with Rosenborg? Well, they had a tough first match at Sarpsborg. They lost that one. You can't knock them for that. They should have hammered Christian Sun, but somehow drew two all. And then... Against Odd, I think it was a fair result, really. Some might say Odd were the better team. And this is an Odd side that hasn't looked great so far. They'd had two losses heading into this fixture. It was very worrying for Rosenborg. They just didn't have enough intensity, desire, fight, creativity, perhaps. They've certainly missed Samuel Adigbenro, who's injured for six weeks now. Um, they could have done with him in, in a game like that. But um, they're also making a lot of mistakes at the back, John. The goal they conceded was... An hilarious own goal where a defender's trying to clear it off the line. It comes off his own man. So it just everything seems to be going wrong for them. And already they're, they're well behind at the, the, the top of the table. It may be a case that, you know, they won the league the last two or three years and they're getting a little bit complacent. Combine that with a little bit of a tricky fixture list. And yeah, all is not going their way. But I don't think too many people in Norway are going to be complaining about it. No, looking at the table with three games played, they're 12th. 
which is just above relegation zone, which is incredible, to be honest. Um, what's the key thing that's maybe gone wrong very quickly before we move on? If you could sum it up in a word or a couple of sentences, you know, what is the key thing Rosenborg need to address going forward? I think they've got to regain some... They've got to regain that desire and drive again. They just haven't looked interested at times this year in certain games. They showed... The only real time they showed any intensity for me this season was the first 20 minutes after half-time against Christiansund when they did look good. That was against Christiansund. Never once today did they really look like scoring. I mean, their goal was a fluky free kick, which was a, a goalkeeping howler um, again. So they just, they've got to get that offence working. But without Adik Benro, I think it's going to be a struggle. But there's, there's too many things going wrong, to be honest, John. But I wouldn't worry too much about it yet. They're going to be in the top three come the end of the season. They still might win the title. But worrying times for, for Rosenborg. Well, it's been a while since we've mentioned uh, Nicholas Bentner and um, we're not going to mention him this week because we're going to move on. But uh, it doesn't sound like he's doing too much so far. We're going to head to Molde. They are top of the league. I see they've scored eight goals and conceded one goal. Pretty good start for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer there. Yeah, I mean, what they've done, I mean, they beat Sanderfield 5-0 on the opening day, but their last two wins have been much more workmanlike and they can win matches in different ways. That's what I like about Molde now. They can shut up shop away from home and nick a 1-0 or they, they're capable of outscoring teams as well. So there's more, there's plenty of strings in their bow, which is encouraging going forward. I think they've got a really good balanced squad. That, that's the key with them. They've got, you wouldn't say they've got a weak area, especially now that their goalkeeper, uh, Linda, is starting to show signs of uh, becoming a quality stopper at this level. So... Yeah, well, everything's really working well for Mulder at the moment and um, they'll be pleased to have picked up three wins out of three. All right, maybe they faced a couple of crap opponents, but they'll take it. It's Mulder against Rosenborg this coming weekend. So if they win that, they could find themselves well, well clear of uh, RBK. So uh, that's obviously a huge fixture. Do you think they are a legitimate title challenger? Are they gonna? Are they really going to do it? Yes, they've been better than I expected. I knew they'd be good this year, but I didn't think they'd be quite as good as this. I think just that there's more cohesiveness in the team. Last year, they got very lucky with a lot of results. This time around, though, they deserve to win all their three matches. And there looks to be even probably a little bit more in the tank as well. So, yeah, the squad just looks generally better. Solskjaer seems to have regained a bit of his, you know, drive desire. He looks He looks a lot more happy on the sidelines. And also a bit more focused as well. So, uh, yeah, massive challenger. And if they beat Rosenborg, well, they go favourite for the league. In your opinion, how good a manager is, is Salt's Joy in terms of the the elite Serian? Is he in the top bracket, or is he, you know, is he got something to prove? That's a good question, actually. I think uh, <laughs> honestly, I, part of me still thinks he's a bit overrated. Uh, you know, if you look at the other jobs he's done, like at Cardiff, he never really did much there, did he? I think he he seems to have he looks better this year though. Look, managers can like football players. Managers can go in and out of form, and I felt he got a little bit stale at Mulder in the last year or two. So it's I think he's just freshened things up a little bit, changed the formation around. He's good. Is he in the top bracket? Yeah, of course he's in the top bracket, in the top four or five bracket. I wouldn't have him in the top two or three, but at the moment he's doing very well. I'm, I'm quite impressed with how he's approaching the games. Let's move on then to a team who've uh, been a bit of a, well, I don't know if there's a prize package. Um, Ian Birchner, we had on a recent podcast, which you can still listen to. 
He uh, he did tip them a couple of times, but uh, they're doing quite well in that Sarpsborg. Yes, they've. Uh, well, the, the big problem was pre-season. Loads of players coming in and out of the club, and could they settle down quickly? Well, they have done and beat Rosenborg. It got a tough draw away from home against Lillestrom, which was played in ridiculously cold conditions. But they beat Valorenga today, um, 3-0. And this is a team that knows how to get the job done. They look confident. They are a legitimate title challenger as well, for sure. And the new players have done well. That's a good win against Valorenga, who I have to give them a shout-out. They look quite good in their first two games. They've got six points on the board. They've been surprisingly good. But I was Sarpsborg for me again a really good balanced squad, especially defensively. They look tight, really. I mean, two clean sheets and the goals they conceded against Lillestrom. One was a goalkeeper error, so it's the, the actual back four are performing really well at the moment. That is their big strength, I would say. But they again good balanced squad, and they're playing with confidence. You can clearly see there's a belief. Their manager Guy Backer, he could be the best manager in this league right now. To be honest with you, what do you put their their form down to? Is it just the manager itself, or have they have they bought a few players maybe who have impacted things? The club has a winning culture now. It's in a really good place. It's so well managed off the field as well as on it, and I think you can you can come in. They, they obviously recruit really well, and they bring players in not just because of the technical qualities, but mental qualities. I think they 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 go for players with the right character that fit in with their squad with their club. And they're a really well-oiled machine just in all areas of the field. Yeah, some of their new signings have done well. Eunice Tam at the back has impressed me quite a bit. Um, but, you know, in this game against Valorenga, they went to the old faithful uh, Patrick Mortensen, who can be a bit of a goal machine uh, because he's going to get loads of chances here at Sarpsburg. They they put loads of crosses into the box and he's so dangerous in the air and on these sort of flick-downs and poaching. So, massive, massive challenger for the title. Interesting thoughts there, Steve. Thank you very much. We're going to move now to a result that I found pretty shocking, to be honest. I was um, given, I watched them on the opening day of the season and they looked very good. I was surprised about this one. IK start, battered 4 1. Oh, yeah. Start 1, Sanderfield 4. And in terms of the actual result on paper, this is for me the biggest shock of the round. I did, I did not expect, I thought it'd be the other way around. The start looks really good against Tromsø on the opening day. And they look really good here for quite a lot of the match. They got themselves ahead. They could have gone 2 or 3 nil up. And I think if that had happened, then it would have been a different story because Sanderfield would probably have collapsed again. But they stupidly conceded a goal before half-time from a corner. And I think first-half stats were something like 10-1 in attempts. Sanderfield had one proper effort on goal and they scored from it. So really, it should have been 2-3-0 at half-time and it goes one all. And second half, they hit the post, start did, and they had a couple of other big opportunities. They dominated the fixture for, for the most part. But then they got hit by a sucker punch. Sanderfield made a great uh, substitution. They brought on Pontus Engblom, ex-Strom's Godsert man, and he scored two goals um, in the last 20, 25 minutes. And it just seemed when Start fell behind, they panicked. They left themselves far too open. And it was another side to the game, which is perhaps concerning. And we were all talking about their really nice, fluid offence and midfield. But defensively, well, they were crap. I mean, dear me, they were far too exposed. So maybe they're the sort of team, if they actually fall behind in the game, 
things aren't going to go very well for them. So uh, it's a match they should have won four one and ended up losing it four one because of really poor decisions at the end. Despite all that, um, I would like to say well done to Sanderfjord uh, for winning this game. I think it's a really massive result for them. I know times have been pretty tough there since the start of the year and this is just the sort of victory they, they, they need to turn their season around perhaps. There's been a lot of pressure, a lot of negative press about them. And, you know, for all the... They, they certainly rode their luck in the first half and I think they'll be the first to admit that. But I think the second half, they came up with a really good tactical game plan and they made the right substitutions at the right time and they took their chances. It's as simple as that. They showed their extra year of elitisarian experience in that second half and absolute big credit to them for finishing the match really strongly and getting the three points, which I'm sure is going to give them a massive boost. So well done to them. Right, well, yeah, interesting one, that. We'll move on. Yeah, we talked about the amount of goals in the league this season so far. There's been 63 goals in the league this season and uh, an average of 3.15 goals per game, which I find quite, quite you know, impressive uh, for, for that league, which is sometimes low scoring. I also note that both teams have scored in 65% of the matches. And we're going to move on now to another one of those, which was Ranheim, which was a 4-1 victory for Ranheim against Starbeck. Now, this was actually Ranheim's first game of the season, wasn't it, Steve? Big result. I couldn't believe this, mate. I really could not believe this result and performance. Because whereas that 4-1 Sanderfield win, all right, they took their chances, but it was a, not a fair reflection of the game. This 4-1 win for Ranheim was a fair reflection of how things went. They were really, really good. I mean, what a debut for them. I mean, before things got going, uh, they scored within two minutes of the match I looked at the live score and I'm like bloody hell they're one nil up already but I mean this match was full of chances full of goals at both ends to a degree but I think Ranheim could have scored six or seven here Starbeck were absolutely shite they were terrible they complete I, th I think they came into this game thinking they'd have a fairly easy ride you know um, they were good against Strom's goods on the opening day but they were terrible here left themselves far too exposed completely underestimated their opponents and uh I say well done to Runheim. They were they were really good. I mean, they yeah. had a guy for them uh, who scored two goals. Uh, Lockberg. He was actually doubtful with injury. He got the first two goals. Carlson bagged a couple as well. Top performance. Yeah, uh, I was going to move on to them, but I'm going to start with obviously Ori scored, uh, but they were already three one down by that stage. But good to see him on the score sheet. But yeah, as, as you mentioned, Lockberg and Carlson were two goals. Are they are they players to look out for this season, or were they were they just sort of you know a good day for them? I was quite impressed. I mean, I'd never seen these players in action before myself, but Lockberg impressed me and uh, really good goal, actually, his first one. And Carlson, his, the penalty he scored, I know it was only a penalty, he absolutely hammered it. No goalkeeper in the world would have saved that penalty. It's almost wasted on the uh, Starbeck goalkeeper, um, Mandes Sayuba, who's a really terrible keeper. He, uh, every time there's a ball shot at him, I almost expect you know, the net to bulge. He doesn't, not much. He doesn't save many, but it was wasted on him. But yeah, fair play. Those two guys impressed me. Maybe they're a team to keep an eye out for Runheim. I don't know, but I certainly did not expect this, but they totally deserved it. Without doubt, performance of the week for me in the elite area, Runheim. Well, the funny thing is they are considered a Rosenborg's smaller brother, but they're actually above them in the table with two games in hand. So massive start for Runheim there in seventh. And uh, let's move on. 
to Haugesund, which was another big win. Uh, they went to Buda and got a 3-0 victory. I think uh, Haugesund uh, are really underrated at the moment. They've had two great away wins against uh, Odd and now Buda Glimt. They have been counter-attacking really well. They've got a, a new Nigerian player called David Akintola, and he has got some pace, this guy. He absolutely tore Buda Glimt apart at times in this game. Wasn't great defending from the hosts, that must be said. Uh, when again, a bit similar to start, actually. They, they kind of showed their inexperience at this level. I mean, you get away with it in the Obosley game, but at this level, if you leave yourself exposed, there's better players to you know, punish you. So, yeah, I think Hawks are doing really well at the moment. They've had two wins out of three. They've lost to Mulder. I'm not going to hold that against them. A lot of people were a bit pessimistic about them this season, but they look to have improved their offence an awful lot. They uh, couldn't score goals last year, but they yeah, look much more dangerous. Buda Glimt, I think that was a lesson for them in, in elitisarian lesson. They've got to remind themselves they cannot they can't leave themselves so vulnerable at the back. Yeah, I'm a big fan of how I have to say. I, I like them for various reasons, although they're a bit of a you know, not, not the most loved teams, I don't think, in, in Norway necessarily. But, yeah, I've got a bit of love for the Haug, I have to say. And uh, the win takes them uh, third, which is which is impressive. So they're in the top three uh, with Sarpsborg and Mulder. Let's just quickly run through the uh, other scores uh, before we kind of wrap things up. Uh, so we had Strums Godson one, Brand one, Christensen two, Lillestrom one. Uh, and, yeah, that's, that's really it, isn't it? We've covered every other game. Moving briefly before we wrap up this pod onto sort of players who've impressed you in this round, is there anyone who kind of stood out? Um, you know, you asked me about three key teams, maybe, uh, or three most impressive teams. Let me ask you maybe for three most impressive players of the round. Well, that uh, David Akintola, who I mentioned for Horgerson, definitely caught my eye. I thought, I think Pontus Engblom deserves a great mention for Sanderfield coming off the bench and scoring two goals. He made a big physical presence uh, and difference up front. Nice to see him go well. And I would say that guy Lockberg for, for Ronheim looked uh, really impressive um, for me today. Starbeck were not very good, but you've got to beat what's in front of you. So I'd say, I mean, those initially, those three catch my eye. Just before we end it, I just want to talk about the, the goal that Strumps Goods have scored today. It was an own goal from Bran. Quite ridiculous. It was just a, gen a pass back to the goalkeeper. And he just kind of aimed it into the bottom left corner. It was quite remarkable. It looked like it was heading towards a nil-nil that game. And uh, a remarkable own goal, John. So uh, there was actually some incredibly calamitous moments in the whole round. You wouldn't have believed some of the mistakes that were made. Well, it's been a big scoring uh, week in, in the late zone and a big scoring season so far, which is great to see. Looking ahead at the weekend, we've got uh, rosenborg Molde, which will be a big game on, on Sunday. Are there any other games that maybe catch your eye, or uh, what have you? What are your sort of thoughts on Rosenberg Molde, which is, a, is going to be a massive game, really, isn't it? Well, in a way, I wish this game was getting played sort of in in the middle of summer. In my experience, when that fixture gets gets done in June, July, it often be full of goals, but probably going to be a bit cold still, and there's going to be nerves around there. Both teams, well, Rosenberg certainly not firing on all cylinders. They've got, they've got to win the game, haven't they? They can't afford to to stay so far behind them. Um, they've got to win the game. If they lose a the game, it's an unthinkable situation. My personal feeling would be quite a cagey affair. I think Mulder will come there with quite a uh, slow sort of uh, game plan. Other games that catch my eye, uh, there was one. Uh, let me have a look. Trumser against Ranheim. Uh, Trumser, the only team without a point so far. And 
they really need something here. I mean, initially, I was thinking it's going to be an easy home win for them. But after Ranheim's performance today, I'm kind of thinking otherwise. So uh, what about in Sweden this weekend, then? What are the big games to look out for? Yeah, I've mentioned, yeah, of course, Hammerby on Tuesday is a, is, a, is a big game. I think those two teams look good. I also think Malmö AIK is obviously a huge game. Um, Malmö at home, so probably would expect them to win, but AIK want to be challengers, so they've got to step up, haven't they? Uh, in Scanner and prove themselves. That's on Monday. Uh, those are the two games that stand out for me, really. Um, I think Dow Kurd maybe in their first home game against a similar sort of size club, Ostersunds, uh, in, in, in their history, recent history. That'll be an interesting one. But uh, yeah, I'd say those are the three uh, main games, really. And um, I think that's about all we've got time for in this show, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, that's it. We're going to have to wrap it up. So, uh, yes, look out for our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast yet, but we do have our own YouTube channel now. All episodes are posted on there. We're going to hopefully have some uh, Goal of the Week compilations as well, which you can vote on on Twitter, and they'll be posted up on YouTube as well. And we're on Facebook. Please give us a like on Facebook. Many different ways you can interact with us socially, social media, and uh, really enjoyed this episode. We're going to be back next week, as ever, John, and uh, very much look forward to it. Yeah, and the Facebook, you can get us on uh, facebook.com slash Nordic Football Podcast or just type Nordic Football Podcast into your uh, Facebook, obviously, and give us a like. And yeah, obviously on Twitter as well. If you've got any questions, uh, Twitter at Nordic Pod. You can get at us and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to doing this again in another week's time. Glad to see the Swedish season back underway. And yeah, I've enjoyed the show. So from uh, my co-host Steve Wiss and myself, John Vidigba, thanks for listening. Goodbye.